Welcome to Creating Synergy, where we explore what it takes to transform. Whether you are transforming yourself, your team, your business, or your community, we'll connect you with insightful and challenging leaders who share their stories of successful transformations to give you practical ideas for your own journey. Join us for another insightful episode of Creating Synergy. Welcome to the Creating Synergy podcast. Today we have a, a beautiful man in, <laughs> in, in Dan Levy. Shall I go and get him? <laughs> so Dan is the principal for a, a company called More Space for Light. More Space for Light is an innovation and strategy consultancy. Their design-led approach to solving business problems helps leaders and teams overcome constraints related to strategy, product, service or process. Dan is also very active in the tertiary industry, educating people in, and lecturing and also speaking nationally on sub- subjects of human-centered design, design thinking and strategy. You make that sound like there's no audience, you know, like me standing there just talking about it and nobody listening. <laughs> just well, that's generally how it happens, Start it? me is up there? and just point me at some students. That's uh, well, we got you on the show because of the lack of followers that you have, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, only stirring. So, welcome, appreciate that. welcome to I'll the podcast, Dan. Thank you for having me, Dan. Not a problem, mate. So, I know you would get asked this question every single day. More space for light. What and where did that come from? I thought you were going to ask me about the fact I'm wearing office slippers. So, I'm kind of relieved. <laughs> we'll get into that next. <laughs> um, so, more space for light came from my little boy. I was going for a period where I wanted to make the leap to do my own thing and go out there. And, like any sensible potential business owner, I knew that the success of any business rested on the fact I had a logo and a good name. It didn't matter about a business plan. It's true. It means a it, was, it does at a superficial yeah. level. Yeah. But um, it, well, the name isn't superficial. So one night um, I was working, I, I've always worked and really dedicated um, part of it. I always consider myself very dedicated to the work I do because I love it. And the consequence of which means that I'm not always about at home. You know this. You're yeah. a dad. Spend a lot of time dedicated to your craft. Correct. Things sometimes slip. There's some sacrifices. Yeah. There? Nowadays, things are a lot more liquid with COVID because yeah. there isn't those boundaries. However, one night I was back putting the little one to bed. So it's always special. It was a rare, rare treat, my little one being the eldest. And he said to mum, he said, mum, I want more space for light. And I, and I said, what, what does that mean? And um, my wife explained to me, it meant basically he wanted more time to play, he wanted more time to read, he wanted more time to do all the things he loves. He didn't like the darkness because the darkness meant it was the end of the day, he had to go to sleep. He still had more energy and more fun left. And that totally resonated with me, that whole mantra, the simplicity of it. After I finished crying, <laughs> seriously. Yeah. I'm, no, like, well, I'm an emotional guy. It's pretty... Powerful. Well, uh, how old is your son? At the time, he would have been three. Wow. And you know, like kids say, my brain doesn't even work that way. (laughs) I wish I could communicate as simply 
and as effectively as as a as a little one because yeah. there's no BS, there's yeah. no buzzword bingo. Yeah. He said it. He captured these um, the, the sincerity, the intent of what I wanted to do both personally and professionally. And I went off and checked the domain name and yeah. did all those things that you do yeah. and signed it up. And from then on, I didn't have a business. I had a mission and a mantra. And by saying a mission, it connected with me in regards to what I wanted to achieve and accomplish both professionally and personally. And I had a mantra as a North Star that always guided me and has continued to when I had a decision to make whether I sacrifice family for work. Family first. Family first. But it's in your business name. It's in my blood. It's in your blood. So what is your mission? What is my mission? It's to cut through all of that BS, that 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 in in action and putting things off. We we have a bias for action and that permeates 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 percolates one of those words whichever you want to <laughs> choose with an eight. <laughs> <laughs> through to everything we do in regards to the strategy in regards to the uh, methodology that we use in regards to design thinking design thinking is all about doing and we apply that to strategy all the way through to design so the mission is to cut through to cut through the get action get momentum to help clarity, help people prioritize and help them as well. The light is possibilities and opportunities. Mm. Often many organizations we've found look to deal with problems of today and yesterday. I have a big passion for new, for creative tech, Mm -hmm. for connecting with different people in new and interesting ways using creative technology. And I believe that a lot of organizations almost have that apathy in mm-hmm. regards to that, you know, they're already, they yeah. have that business, it's working, yeah. where they don't look at potential dis- disruptors in the market, whether known or adjacent. And what we do is we provide almost like a door, that like this is an opportunity for you based on what you're trying to achieve and we can put it together. We're not fussed so much about the solution. We're focused on the problem because often people are also very much tangled in terms of what it is they need to do. So we try and simplify that and then through a bias of action, we help them with like rapid prototyping and testing and things like that. So they can validate very quickly because you know what one of the most poisonous phrases in a meeting is? No. No, I'm asking you. No, well, no, I don't. I think. I think. The person with the loudest voice in the room says, I think we should do this. I think this is what happens. I'd prefer, I know, and I'd prefer to be able to have some form of evidence to say, look, how do we de-risk this? And look, this is what happened. This is the response. This is a problem worth solving. Mm. Is it generally the leader in that team? That would say, I think. And does does everyone then conform to what that leader thinks? Well, it's not always the leader. Sometimes, um, sometimes we've found, unfortunately, you can get, especially with more technical or development, that have that knowledge base inside their head. So they're very much process driven. So regard, 
in regards to where we sit in re, uh, the desirability, if you think of the well, love of Venn diagram as a mm -hmm. consultant, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you have the yeah. desirability, you have your feasibility, you have your viability. Often people come at a problem from a different angle, so they're quick to shut it down. Mm. We're not fussed at that point about those kind of constraints. They're important, but right from the get-go, we want to validate that it's actually a problem worth solving. Mm. It's actually scratching an itch. It's fulfilling a need. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that ensures, as an organization, we have something to fall back on and say, look, this is why we're doing it beyond the numbers and the yeah. finances, or this is not why we're doing it. Not because Bob can't be bothered to download the latest patch and mm. join two API and get an API working to join two things together. Yeah. It's because our clients over in some rural area just can't get that. Therefore, we need to think of another way to yeah. solve that problem. So people will connect with you and require your services to cut through the, the BS. Is that where we're at? Why would I, as a corporate, small business, whatever it might be, come to More Space for Light and what benefit would I get? Why? I'd, I'd ask you the same question. Yeah. Why? I have tried very hard, and this is me being vulnerable here, in, um, to abstract our value proposition so we don't talk about products. Because everything's a product or a service. Because that's from my perspective. I always try and think about the outcomes and the experience and, you know, and the outcomes that we found with clients that we've worked with is a map, is a plan, is an understanding of what we need to do. Also, a trusted partner to guide them through that. The clients that we work with are people that, you know, we'd, we'd, that are friends. I know you shouldn't consider your partners and your work partners friends, but because business is personal, especially mm. when you run it, mm. you want to get on with the people well, that you work with. Business is creating relationships, yeah. isn't it? Really? And, and, and I think by demonstrating that vulnerability as well, which is something that we encourage, especially amongst teams, you get to better outcomes. So if you are having a problem in regards to, say, a business problem and you were trying to get alignment with your team, with stakeholders in regards to a priority or a, to make something actionable, we'd be able to help connect you. If you were trying to get some sort of customer insights to understand um, some sort of sentiment in the market, so typically you might go to a consumer group, a consumer company, and you'll say to a consumer company, for example, we have a product out in the market or we want to make a shift to a new product space. So mm -hmm. it might be some sort of dietary requirement if you're a fast-moving consumer goods company. You'll go, to, uh, you'll go to a research company, et cetera. You'll get an answer in three months mm. in the what they like being. Mm. <laughs> it's a yeah. big document full of graphs. Yeah. Well, we can do that in like a week. Yeah, okay. And not only that, we can, we can build a prototype. We can bring in customers in a week. Now, that's not to say it's going to be concrete. However, through our process, you've got an answer where you're like, okay, we need to take this to the next level. Mm. And if you think about that as opposed to waiting three months for an answer or two months for a big document, you're ready to go. You're ready to rock. You're ready yeah. to start talking to operations about changing the machinery, how, we, how we're going to put the new butter in, et cetera. And that's something we can help. And I think that's a really powerful proposition. 
especially when you consider COVID now mm. and the speed of technology as well, which you know, which is all which is accelerating and accelerating, decisions are having to be made a lot quicker. New products and services and opportunities are hitting the market at such a rapid rate these days that you need to make decisions quicker. Mm. Well, that's it's exciting because that's what your mission is, is to create that clarity, yep. to cut through the, the BS, I guess, mm. and provide a simpler, more clearer approach for these businesses. Yeah, and, and, and speed as at, well. At speed, yeah. Yeah. When you... Oh, first of all, how did you get into this world? What's your background? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, do I give you a real answer? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I come, I come from a design background. Yeah, okay. Uh, traditional fine art. Yep. Way, 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 way back when I'm going through university, I wanted to do film. A lot of people that do facilitation, I find these days. Wanted to get into film. I used to make like music videos, ads. I ran a record company in London. Oh, did you? Yeah, with some friends. I, I Your didn't, own? Yeah, yeah, I didn't start it, but I ended up like, as I said, I'm very dedicated. Yeah. It was a bunch of mates. One went off to Japan, was left with another guy. Me and him basically took it over. I was in London, so I was like the go-to person. Yeah. And I ended up running it with him. It was a fabulous experience. However, my angle for it was just because I was fed up of going to festivals and sleeping with everybody else, you yeah. know. In the, and I always used to see these people sail past with their VIP passes, go straight to the back. <laughs> I thought to myself, I want a piece of this. Yeah. And my pals were starting something and I knew, I, I think they know this anyway. I thought, yeah. well, I could get involved here yeah. and maybe level up my festival experience. Yeah. What I didn't know, Daniel, is that there's always another V on a VIP. Yeah. So even when you get to the VIP, there's a VVR. Oh, there's a... And then there's a VVVVIP. Yeah. However, it was still better than sleeping yeah. with everybody else. Because <laughs> I, I remember staying at Reading. Um, oh, God, I said Adam again, sorry. I remember going to Reading Festival. Must have been like 2000. <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> I remember coming out at night just, just to have a... Go and have a look at everyone, see what's going on. Yeah. And there were people like carrying tents on fire, running about. And I was like, this is such a good decision. Yeah. Went back to the VIP area where there was a nice toilet yeah. Yeah. and like nicer food and things like that. Um, so that was a complete tangent. And I was <laughs> come from fine art, design, Digital design, I did digital design at university, like yeah. lingo and macromedia yeah. and things like that. I always knew where my strengths were. My strengths were in design, creation, planning. So with development, I was very um, persuasive with people that were more into development than me to help me on certain assignments. Yeah. As you should be. Well, it's all about yeah. getting things done. Yeah, isn't it's it, utilizing really? other people's strength to help yeah, you. Exactly. <laughs> that's you know, that's a, the business person <laughs> yeah. in me. That's what the entrepreneur was always like. Absolutely. And what I found was as I continued going through my career and getting into the more the digital design and the design and the creation of products and services, were that I call them civilians, and I don't mean that in a negative sense, but people that weren't in that world that were the recipients of these products and services didn't have a bloody clue what was going on. She'd give, like, say for instance, my mum, I'd be like, mum, this is something we've created. And she's like, oh, that's nice. 
I don't understand. I can't click it. The text yeah. is too small. Text is grey on a grey background. And all this, you know, yeah. designers can live in a vacuum. Yes. And I started to move into more of the user experience space because that was more interesting for me yeah. than the creation space. And that made me start considering the user and empathizing with them and starting to feel and learn more about what they're trying to achieve, what is the job they're trying to do. And slowly I started to move more into the user experience. I still had that creative sensibility, but I was able to kind of balance both of them. From UX, the natural step or progression in my career was to move more into strategy. Whilst I was working at um, Fox Sports, they went for a massive rebrand and it was about the time that social media really started to have an impact on the broadcast industry, broadcasting industry. They were very much used to telling people what to do. Mm. And all of a sudden there was this channel where they could get feedback, instant feedback. So it was, it was, quite, it was quite confronting for a mm. lot of people. And what I, um, um, through my love of soccer, I got allocated the soccer project with the soccer part of the rebrand. Oh, yeah. it was great for me. You, you note them down every time yeah. I cough, aren't you, to take it out? <laughs> Jeez. I love it. Um, so that's really, that's so pro. Yeah. Um, and what I found was I was having to explain, I, I'm finding a lot of things, I sound like I'm hiding, seeking mm. through this interview, that I had to explain very complicated things in a very simple manner mm. and bring a lot of different stakeholders that had a different level of digital maturity and branding maturity along on that journey. Yeah. Again, I was starting to thrive in that environment mm. and that was getting away from the computer. So I sat in that digital strategy, strategy role for mm -hmm. a while and I thought that was what more space would be. I thought it would be a UX consultancy, yep. user Nobody knows what that means. No. Going back to starting with your products and not thinking about the outcomes. Mm. And as I've gone on my journey through more space and running more space, we've become, over the last few years, we've evolved just into selling strategy, selling consulting, strategy, designing workshop programs, design sprints. We picked up the design sprint program three years ago. And design sprints are a program that came out of Google, which take all the elements of design thinking and basically condense them into like a, a week. So, so you can get an outcome in a week. Wow. So I want to unpack the design thinking and design sprints. Okay. In, in layman's terms, for all, you, and you, you're, you want to cut through the BS, right? Find a book. What, what is the fundamental reason why someone or a business would say, I want to design my thinking? Apart from the intentionality of having to design your thinking so you're a lot more considered, the great thing about the, the methodology of design thinking is it relies on three principles. Ideation, so mm. that's all about possibilities and creating the future. Experimentation moving away very much from a culture of scared to fail mm -hmm. and giving people permission to play and permission to go out and learn and empathy. Yep. Empathy, whether it's internal stakeholders or external customers. These are and, and, and by empathy, you mean understanding from their perspective. Yeah. 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 And, and often 
you'll find that organizations have the ideate. The ideation's cool, man. Let's all get in a room. Let's do some brainstorming. Yeah. It's wicked. Yeah. And they might do a little bit of experimentation, but sometimes it's superficial. It's well, just enough. And there's probably things that are holding him back from being able to experiment processes, systems. Yeah, and our culture. We work in a way where we almost work in between the lines. Mm. And that's what I love about our proposition. We don't sit in the, the, the muck of the silo. I don't care about that. We care about bringing the right people in. That's building a tiger team across the business to solve big and complex problems. Mm. So it doesn't have to be industry specific. I'm so confident in the process and the programs that we construct based on the intent and the outcomes of an organization that we're getting results over and over. And the types of results before you ask that we're getting, we're getting prototypes in front of business leaders so they can understand the vision mm. and they can get feedback from stakeholders. We're connecting organizations with their customers without the need to go to other agencies and things like that, just by going through their CRM yeah. and helping them design a program. For example, we work with a not-for-profit and we constructed a design sprint specific for their needs that incorporated elements of theatrical design because what they delivered was a program that was like a play. Mm -hmm. So we redesigned it and constructed it from that. As an outcome of that, within the space of a week, they had a brand new production, four key scenes to test, and a testing program that we proved this, the process worked as well. Mm, so wow. We proved the process, and they were able to scale it and take it out to different states across Australia and test it. And now they're at a position where they're, slow, they're building the, 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 the rest of the script yeah. based on that. And all, and so I guess that's the sprint element of the design yeah. thinking. It's taking that thinking and building a product in a week. Yeah. Now, going back to design thinking and linking to design sprints, the framework of design thinking and design sprints are very similar. You start by understanding the problem, mm -hmm. getting everyone on the same page and prioritize. You then basically define that problem. Mm -hmm. You then create something, ideate. You build something and you test it. That's the design sprint. That framework in itself has become like a map for us because not just from a design sprint level, we're able to see where an organization is on that journey mm -hmm. so we can start planning and providing a, a response to their need based on where they're at mm. and yeah. refer back to it and help them. Yep. And we start and we use things like the strategy cascade from that was made that was made famous by PNG and Roger yeah, yeah. Martin and all that sort. And that all ties in, even the approach to designing and co-creating strategy, we use the tools of design thinking. It's like our language. Can you provide an example? Is there a common problem that you see uh, happen again and again and again? Think, oh, yeah, this is water off a duck's back. <laughs> I've seen this There's happening. no such thing as waters off a duck's yeah. pack. But usually it's it's always comes down to 
a form of communication. And I don't mean that in a literal dialogue. I mean that in connecting with customers and understanding their needs so, so for, for so, stakeholders. So you talk about user experience. You're talking now about customer experience, understanding. Well, I th- I, yeah, I think they're the same thing. The same. Everyone is a is customer, customer of some yeah. perspective. Yeah. So I always get muddled up when I'm writing, is it customer, yeah. is it user, is it member, is it yeah. whatever it is. It's, yeah. it's, it's always along that there's a miscommunication. So how do we communicate yeah. with... And is the miscommunication come from a point of not asking the right question? Not even asking the not question. Even asking, not Sometimes. even considering them as a, a question, person to ask the question to. Well, you can... S- community. Well, consider how... Like, say, so we've worked in government and... Uh, yeah. Did you just laugh? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 look, I, there's nothing wrong with I can, there's, no, no, I could, oh well, I got to, I, you know, I know I've got to be careful what I say because it's your podcast, but their, their provision process is, um, doesn't suit smaller businesses. No, it's, it's, it's not made. It's a bit more slow moving. Not just slow moving. It's not controlled. I mean, I could go into that, but that's a completely different topic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get, and generally we don't, we don't, we don't. We don't really get it. We don't play in that world. No. And I don't play in that world as well. Coming back to our value system, we don't get an outcome. An outcome, like we are, so we're very, our business model isn't about bums on seats. It's mm. about providing value. An outcome, yeah. yeah it's like, I, I see us like a pirate. Mm. We come in, we sail in, we cause chaos in a good way. We pillage in a good way. Pillaging yep. is not usually. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, we won't thing. go into that either. That's why I mean. <laughs> or you could say the fun uncle, which again has terrible connotations. We're not cutting that out. <laughs> <laughs> but we come in like I, I want the value exchange to be really high when we come in. I yeah. want the experience to be amazing. So do you not put caveats in place? So I guess from our perspective, talking Synergy IQ, yeah. the business that I work with is that when we work with a client, you know, we don't accept any work with any business as well. We have these rules of thumb is that if you can provide access to leaders, you know, seven rules, the seven rules that we, we basically put in place of, of the client on every single job and say, unless you can meet these, because this is what we need to uh, get to an outcome. Even if you put those, uh, those conditions forward and they say, yes, 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 you still won't work with a government oh, body? Or? Well, let me ask the first part. So we don't have rules. Okay. We just agree to outcomes. Okay. And we agree that the, the process well, yeah, I guess is fuzzy yeah. to get to there. There's yeah. never a, dis, a a specific part. So they have to be comfortable in the fuzziness, I guess. You have to be comfortable in the muck. I've yeah. I've run workshops where you <laughs> you look up at everyone and they look lost. Yeah. And I feel lost as well. Yeah. However, I'm confident we'll get to an outcome. Yeah. I just need a minute to being, kind of well, it's calibrate. What's comfortable in the grey, isn't oh, it? I, I don't even have a comfort zone. Yeah. That's frightening. Yeah. I cycled to a client the other day by the airport and it was, I felt like I was on some sort of computer game. I don't know how <laughs> I made it there. And, yeah. and I've never done that before. Like every day is a new challenge. Yeah. Do you believe that by adopting the design thinking mentality and then working through these design sprints on these problems and issues that, that, that they've got, businesses that have got, once they cut through that, could you categorically say that productivity, profits, all these uh, performance, all these areas of that business are increased? 
I can't say yes to everything because mm -hmm. it's so much, it's so complex, isn't it? But would you say generally, if done correctly and adopted correctly, I would say at a minimum, at the result of working with us, you'll get your team and you'll get people across the organization talking and understanding that they're working in similar fashion mm -hmm. or that, that they've got problems that they've shared or they'll unlock opportunities that they didn't even realize existed. I can a hundred percent yeah. every time. So you get the you get the the, the juices flowing, and I guess and from a thought perspective. Yeah, cat, like catalyst for action. Yeah, uh, and you get people to think about things differently. Hundred percent, and cut down their perspective. Yeah, well, we also give people different people a voice, mm. so you can hear Which the microwave going yeah. in the background. <laughs> I don't actually have an R two D two unit in the office. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it is the microwave? That's the next thing. You have one, big plans one see. day. <laughs> one day. <laughs> so where we stop? I think it's really important to explain where we stop. We're not in the solution game, mm. and by saying that is like. I'm not interested in building websites and building apps. Mm -hmm. That's not our world. That, I know, I'm going to turn a few people up by saying this, mm. but that's the easy part, mm. the building part, because you've got everything and you're committed and you go, it's a complicated problem because you're just putting it together because it's highly, you need technical people to yeah. put it. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of fantastic design agencies and digital agencies both here and nationally and I don't want to compete in that world the problem I've always found being in that world is that when things come downstream they're not right and mm. I've always wanted to fix to make sure the brief is right and the brief connects up to the business strategy which means where we sit intentionally is in the problem space mm. and that is the problem speak problem seeking and problem definition and I think there's a lot of value there. Where we stop is once a client's like, okay, we're ready to build a website. Now we can bring in people. We can help ensure that that strategy goes through from end to finish. Well, it's never yeah. finished, yeah. but to a yeah. point where we can start measuring. Mm -hmm. But we're not going to. So your front end, before anything happens, speak with you. Or even not speak with you, but just go down. You're encouraging people to go down the design thinking we we well, start like that's where you start yeah. before everything you start by ensuring before we commit to action this is a problem worth solving this is correct this is the vision for our business and this is something everybody understands and can communicate so how do you prioritize which uh, problem is more important than the other we don't they do they do it's not up to us we're a guide. Mm, okay. We provide that framework. So we come to, we start the process of design thinking once we actually know what the problem is. We start the process of design thinking by defining the problem. You are defining the problem. Brilliant. It's, isn't it? It's so clear when you put it in, when you create clarity, I guess, you create more space. <laughs> more space. Oh, very nice. I saw what you did there. I, I did that. <laughs> Excellent. I tried, it took me a while to get there, but I got there. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> I'll tell you what's cool. I sometimes say to clients, well, you just need a little bit more space for light. That's yeah. all. Or they'll say back. So I've got, um, I've got some meetings this afternoon and on the back of our business cards, I've got more space for light. And that's not really an advert. Well, actually, it's, it says more space for dot, 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 because it's all about what they've got more space for. Mm. If we can get people to where they need to be quicker, they'll have more space for other things. Mm. I, I had one client to write, 
more space and they stuck it on the back of their motorbike for dirt. Yeah. And I'm like, that's cool. Brilliant. So I provided that brain space that they could have more space for their personal play and or they're on their bike and they can think about going off-road instead of this problem. That's, yeah. that's a great outcome. I love it because it's even just from my thinking, from what we do, we could use that saying for promoting with our clients as well is we're creating by helping you with your culture where and, and, and improving the or taking your culture from a good culture to a great culture we're giving you more space to work and understand your people it was never intentional for the people part of what we do mm. just like the way we've come into the design thinking space mm. has never been in like that's where we want to go. Yeah. We stumbled in. We came you, very much you, from bottom up. We've evolved into Yeah. That like space. we didn't we didn't have like go and do an IDEO course or a Luma course and come out of it and go, we've got this great tool set. Yeah, now. How can we go and paint something? Absolutely. We were like stumbling about putting things together to help clients. Like I was designing strategy cards to take into workshops to help people do this activity called alternate worlds, where they think of another company that could be a competitor or somewhere else in the space and start thinking about how they'd frame the problem from their perspective. I didn't realize that's a done thing. I spoke to people in that space. They're like, oh yeah, you could go and buy cards from that. But I saw I saw it from a, how would I solve this particular problem? How would I be able to get people to think outside their box? Yeah. So we designed that. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh my gosh, this is a thing. Yeah. And then, and now we, we can mature our model by seeing what we do and applying it to other things because we understand not just the what, but the why. Like mm. why is this important and why does it? Because yeah. I always link what we did to product service strategy process. Never really thought of the business part because I was always focused on what is the outcome? What is the business outcome? And what it was revealed to me through running programs, especially design sprints, the end of a design sprint, it's like a really emotional goodbye. Mm. You know, like when you see people, yeah. no one wants you to leave. You've yeah. been in there for a week, yeah. slamming through issues and helping people on this journey. And you become embedded in the furniture. Yeah, hug it out. Yeah, hug it out. And then you, what I didn't realize was at the end of it, how close you become with mm. the people and how connected and how connected they become. Mm. And that was a great outcome. Yeah, it's pretty gratifying. So I'm a leader of a business. This is a hypothetical question. I'm a Are leader you? of a big corporate business, right? What do I need to do? What, how, Given the current world environment that we're in and the vast amount of problems that are occurring to oh, businesses. Where do we begin with the problems? Yeah, I guess... So for me, the, the prioritizing these problems is probably number one place to start. Number two is then having the space or creating the space to then design a fixed or solution to these problems. My question comes from what is some low-hanging fruit that you can encourage leaders in the current environment now to start thinking about? Like if you were put yourself in the situation of you're leading these big corporate companies and you see the, the multiple and the multitude of problems that these guys are having, where's a good place to start thinking about? I'm thinking because mm. um, I'm very mindful that 
whatever answer I give won't always be applicable to different people. Correct. And if you could give an average... I'll put it from my perspective. Mm. It's in the context of the current pandemic we're in. There's a real big balance I find for organisations in terms of what we do now and what we do then. And then now is shifting all the time, day to day. I mean, look what's happening just unfortunately in Melbourne at the moment. Mm. You know, you've got a load of businesses that have started to creep back into business as usual. I put that in air quotes. And then all of a sudden it's gone back out again. We're in a time of maximum complexity, continual transition and change. So for a business leader, the first thing they're thinking about is what does this business look like? So you have to really start to think about scenario planning in regards to where you want to get to. And one of the most powerful questions I think a business leader needs to ask is what needs to be true? They need to put their foot in the sand or stick in the sand and say, this in this timeline, so they have to commit to a time, regardless of all the turmoil, and say, this is where we want to drive towards. And they have to think about what that outcome looks like and what needs to be true for that. And that's a starting point for them. Because at the even I was listening to Dom Price talk on another um, another podcast. I think it's called How We Work, and he said something that was really interesting. Dom Price is a chap from Atlassian. Mm-hmm. He said the speed of decisions is so important, and that's not just in regards to just make a decision and forget about it, but that agility of being able to quickly make decisions means you can quickly pivot and course correct. Mm-hmm. However. I don't think you should be doing that by looking forward. I think you should be reverse engineering at the very least. I still think for the most part, most organizations should have a vision of where they're trying to get towards. I know for us, we have one. Mm -hmm. And then they should be able to bring it back to a month or three months and be able to say, look, even a month, but I'd I'd always say a quarter because it gives you time to get things in action because things take time, especially now, and be able to reverse engineer back of what needs to be true and start breaking that down by people, process, platforms, all the Ps, and then start defining what that future can look like and then commit and test. So I'm hearing purpose, mission, and you think about goal setting in its sort of own right. When you set a goal for yourself, let's say losing weight, I want to lose 10 kilos, what do I need to do to lose 10 kilos? I need to go for a run once a a week. I need need to go to the gym three times a week. I need to start eating more fruits and vegetables. I need to concentrate on sleeping more. So you're creating, you're breaking down. Making it into manageable. Immanageable items. So you've just said like, one of our one of our things, one of our key lines is we break the complexity into manageable chunks. Correct. Make it simple. Yeah. Like as soon as you have a goal and you commit, you just have to reverse engineer mm. what that you know what is what needs to be true yeah. for that experience to co coex- to exist. Yeah. Sorry. However, the complexity 
isn't the product or the service, it's the people. Because mm. right now, people are all and, over the place. And, yeah, and How do you motivate and, yeah. and change the mindset from people that are kind of stuck, you know, on their computer, they've got the kids. I know we've got, I've got kids, wonderful little creatures they are. They, mm. they, and I've loved being at home with them. I've connected with them. That's one of the great outcomes for me and the business, the fact that I've connected more with my family. It's mm. nice to feel my heart grow bigger. Yes. But you ha have to be mindful of how you're going to bring people in on that journey and when when, and how they need. They need to be informed. Yes. But you need to break it down very simple, create small milestones because momentum is so important and making people feel like they're accomplishing and achieving something. Even if you don't hit it because mm. it's a stretch, at least you've moved closer to it and then you can revisit it's constantly steering the ship. Mm. And by keeping those people involved throughout and keeping them in the loop and keeping the process transparent, you're creating buy-in really, aren't oh, you, with where you... one of the biggest. Yeah. How often do you hear people complain that they weren't part or they're nitpicking or something? When we run a workshop, the first thing I try to do is demonstrate vulnerability because it gives other people permission because I'm demonstrating myself yeah. and I've got no qualms about making myself look like an idiot. I do it yeah. on a daily basis. Yeah. Trust it's me. an icebreaker. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's not even an icebreaker. <laughs> it's, it's just you. It's once a book. Yeah. Once an idiot, do. you're always an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Walk into the room and trip over and drop a cake or something. All, all the way through to, I have to get people have skin in the game because as soon as they've got skin in the game, they feel attached. I know from a creative, I'm coming back from design, the amount of vulnerability in showing your work and getting feedback is really hard. Mm. Often, many people in businesses aren't used to feedback. They aren't used to that creative process, which means they have to be vulnerable because they're about to show their baby. Yeah. So, and, and no one thinks they've got an ugly baby. So immediately, we have to make sure that they've shared a story, a personal story, they've done something stupid like sung a song or done a silly high five or made up a mantra, something where they'd be like, well, this isn't part of the problem process. However, it's all about changing and getting people set, switched and present in the yeah. new environment to tackle a problem. What's the question that you would ask to break people's barriers down? So remote, one of the things that I've been asking would be, what do you have for breakfast? Short or, work. Or, <laughs> yeah. or, and then change your name on Zoom to your breakfast. And then, <laughs> or, or what was your favourite kid's superhero growing yeah. up? What's your favourite cartoon character? Change your name in, in your Zoom. And that way, when, like, when things get super serious yeah. and you can say, look, Bugs Bunny, you yeah. just stop it. <laughs> and it kind of grounds people. And then when someone gets angry, you yeah. change the name to the Hulk. Oh, the whole bit. <laughs> it's all about taking the edge off of things because it's... Well, it's supposed to be fun. Yeah. Designing is fun. Design And designing's not just for designers. Designer no. isn't... And some, this is this is a big misconception. Yeah, yeah. People just assume design is a craft. Yeah. It's not a craft. No. It's a capability. Yeah. It's just when, putting when, the moving pieces together, isn't it, really? Well, when, well it's a mindset. Yeah, when, you're, when you're talking to business leaders trying to explain to them that design is a capability because they're designing their business, they're designing the types of conversations they want to have, they're designing the outcome they want, 
It's very different from them thinking their perception of design of Photoshop, etc. That's a completely yeah. different animal. Yeah, it's changing their perspective on what design is. Yeah, it's an education piece. Mm. We have that common problem with change management, I guess, as a as a thought process. Uh, the, the lack of understanding that change is a holistic thing and a human-centered thing as opposed to I can move my glass from one side of the table to the other and there's a change. But people don't like change. No, they don't like Well, and we, I think we've said this back on – I've said this somewhere on the podcast before and I'll say it again because it's powerful is people do like change if it benefits them. Yeah, but it's it, always transition. Even from little ones, I can see it from my kids. The transition, no one likes transition. Yeah, well, that's true. Well, I think, like I said, if you if I was to give you a million dollars right now, I'm pretty sure you would be very happy with that change. Yes. That transition from me reaching over the table and giving it, you would. I wouldn't see the transition. No, I'd just see the cash. Just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you'd run out of here and slam the doors and go watch some Bugs Bunny. But the, the, uh, <laughs> the, if change benefits the people within the business, then it's going to be more likely adopted. Yeah, but it's such a, it's such a, I mean, we deal in that business of change as well because the impact we're having in regards to breaking down or working within oh, the silos, even yeah. though I, you know, that wasn't something that I lead with, no. is significant. But change in an organization is so complex because the, the, the space, the route from A to B is very easy, very mm. simple. We mm. want to adopt Windows or yeah. Teams. And now it's about the journey. Well, it's about all the, they're getting the people, the process mm. and all of that online because somebody might not like Teams. Somebody doesn't want to move their computer. Somebody doesn't. This person needs like to go through this process. It needs pen appro- approval process. Meanwhile, your competitor, they've just switched to Slack mm. or they've switched to something. They're already looking at rebuilding their architecture in yeah. something else. And you've been left behind. I, well, you're having arguments about things that aren't even important. Mm. You forgot about the intent. The intent is for us to work quicker. We're not connected. We need a space to save things so everybody can look at it. It's not about teams. So how do you break that mold? Well, we get people to realize and share their needs. And once we can find that common ground and we ask them to connect and get empathy with each other where their problems and their pain points are, they're more likely to come on that journey. Yeah, well. So design sprint that you would run to do in that the start of that process is defining the needs of an individual and you're there for a whole week. Is that how it would work? What is the general look and feel of that? So we start we start design sprints with a problem framing. Mm-hmm. The reason we do problem framing is a lot of other people that run design sprints are very rough, are ready to go into straight a design sprint, which I think is very dangerous from an external perspective. If you're internal, going to a design sprint, you have an understanding of the legacy yeah. of the problem, yeah. all the politics, etc. However, you get to better outcomes if you stop and you problem frame at a business level. You get the buy-in from the stakeholders. You're able to clarify what that problem is and how it impacts both the business and the customer and who that customer is. Mm -hmm. You get the alignment from everyone and you get the prioritization. An outcome of a problem framing session is actually a challenge 
Like we know what the problem is. Mm -hmm. Everyone's got buy-in. Everyone's behind it. Everyone has an understanding of the process to go through it and what the expected outcome. You have an understanding of who you need in the business or connected to the business to bring into the room. I can't tell you how painful it is running a design sprint on the wrong challenge mm. or it's not even worth solving or the wrong people in yeah. the room that aren't, you know, impact. I was going to, that was going to be one of my follow-up questions. One of the biggest pitfalls that you would see in these design sprints is that the right people haven't been in. Not anymore because we run problem framing. Yeah. So we commit to the people that need to be in it. Yeah, I mean, you can run, you can do an exercise where you do a stakeholder map and you get the people to say, these are the people that are impacted by the problem. Yeah. And we bring them together. Yeah, yeah. And then the final thing is the person at the other end. Because you need to test and validate with mm. those people. Mm. Once you have that, then you're, everyone's ready to unpack that problem, understand that problem, understand potential solutions around that problem and how other people are tackling that problem and what is relevant before we start ideating, coming up with a potential solution that we want to test that relates back to that challenge, more answers some of the conditions mm -hmm. that will validate, you know, business conditions, um, things around whether an investment is worth not worth doing, whether it's uh, something that's going to make a difference, etc. These are labelled as sprint questions, and then we can build something very simple from a prototyping perspective to test and get that validation mm. very simple it's relevant to the people we're testing with and it's answering just the questions we need we're not prototyping a whole solution we're not doing an alpha build we're just building something to get an understanding mm. Brilliant. and then from there so this is a big thing as well for us it's all very well coming in doing that leaving people scratching their heads and like what's next the end part of our design sprint process is a project planning and retro. And it, cause we start to incorporate a lot of the elements of lean and agile product development into what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Cause often where people go to is that lean process of prototyping, which is something we help them with mm -hmm. and building up all those metrics and what it is and the value proposition, et cetera. And then leading into the agile production development cycle. Mm -hmm. So if we can start... To give them a place to start. Really. Yeah, and also start bringing that language in mm. because it connects with them mm. and also helps them build up their confidence and understanding of what the end-to-end -end cycle is. And then beyond that, what we do is we have a... I call it a 28 days later check-in. Yeah, nice. Mainly the 28 days yeah, later of the, the film. Best, yeah. um, but it's almost like the zombies have yeah, come. Yeah. What, what have we done? So yeah, we have a... We'll, caught up. Yeah. yeah, so we have a plan we'll check back in and see where they're up to. And it holds everyone accountable yeah. and ensures there's some sort of momentum beyond that. Because we don't necessarily lead with our training. If somebody comes to us for training, we're like, let's run this, let's see if it works for your business and then we'll train. Because there's nothing worse than people going for training and they come into the end of it and everyone goes back to their desk and mm. it's like... And then know. it sits on the shelf. What's the benefit of bringing in an external facilitator as opposed to running these type of sprints internally can i ask you that question as well well i'm asking you that because it's a common problem that all consultants i guess come across is that businesses will just opt for 
seeking to get one of their internal people to do it who may not be skilled up in it but have a little bit of knowledge in the area. Is that... Yes, yeah. I I mean, I was on the call to a client this morning and they were explaining the friction point they have between working with more space and having their internals. They had a problem this week. They were looking to make a decision. They put the problem out to their internal team and us as part of their external team. And we had completely opposing responses. Hmm. We weren't aware of the full picture whereas their team was aware of the full strategic landscape of what they were trying to achieve. Therefore, our response was based on a protection and nurturing of the client. Mm -hmm. However, we weren't aware of all the conditions. That wasn't a problem, but it was interesting for the leader and it made them think about and it stopped them from making action because they didn't know which way to proceed. And that's where it's a problem. However, when you're working with someone, you you expect them to be able to provide a landscape. You need to understand. And that's where problem framing and that sort of stuff comes in where you can get enough of an understanding because you get a disclosure of the information you need Mm -hmm. to be able to proceed. So as a facilitator, you've got to have some sort of skin in the game because you've got to understand where you're leading people towards. Having an internal facilitator, what we found is that they don't have the gravitas, and I don't mean this from an ego perspective or respect because their position might be something else Therefore, it doesn't matter what they do. They're always going to be Timmy from the newsroom yeah. or whatever it is. Like, it yeah. doesn't matter. Like, if Which they, this, is, this is probably over and above their job description. Yeah, yeah. It's Timmy with a beard yeah. and a whiteboard marker. Yeah. Unfortunately, that is the perception. Yeah. By bringing in an external facilitator, that's their position. That's their role. They're a specialist in that. They've done it lots of times. They're able to be agile in a workshop. How many workshops have you been in where you've gone like your plan halfway through the day you've realized you were completely like, it's the wrong thing. Mm. Have you ever? Yeah, absolutely. All the time. You get this vision uh, or get this idea in your head and someone throws the spanner. It's a spanner, right? Someone throws a spanner in the works and you go, oh, hang on. (laughs) Yeah. I did not consider that or hadn't even thought of that or had that perspective. You've got to be agile like Mm. a cat. You have to be planning. Like there's so many routes going on in your your mind. You can't have a connection to the problem. You have to be aware of it. Mm. You can't have a connection to the problem because your role as a facilitator is to guide people to the other end. Mm. And I think if you're attached to the bias and the political drama and whatever the situation is, it's very hard for you because your mind is somewhere else. Mm. By having the purity of somebody in the position to help guide people through from an end to end gives takes the weight away from people and also it's like having i don't i don't mean that in our style of facilitations like a teacher but a teacher gives people permission and conducts the space Mm. and conducts the conversations so it becomes a lot more a lot safer and there's permission to be able to talk and they know that they can control that tap mm. as well. Mm-hmm. We've just approached the hour now. So Have we? Been, yeah, so it's been a good chat so far. So so far. Well, well it's going to go downhill from here. Well, I think, uh, yeah, I think it, it, <laughs> it, it will go downhill. We'll find from out, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> We're, uh, we'll get the scotches out and it definitely will go downhill. Do it for my throat. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll close it out, and I think, because we could probably even consider having a more future conversations about this. It's been a good chat. What we do is when we uh, when we do wrap up the 
they, we asked a few little questions. Now I'm interested. You are a very values-driven human being, as we've <laughs> we've pointed out. Do you do much personal development on yourself? Do you? Uh, yes. Yes. I commit every year. I commit, and the people that work that are part of more space. It's something I'm really mindful of as well. Giving them the flight plan. Like my goal as a leader within the business. I'm really mindful of also providing the tools for the people that work with me as well to be able to succeed. But yeah, I take my professional development very seriously. Um, I allocate a budget every year to make sure that I develop and go down this weird and wonderful path of this world that I've that I've started only Absolutely. just to scratch the surface off. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's I highly recommend the personal development path to anyone. I mean. You learn more about yourself when you do go down that path. And yes, you're right. It is about allocating a budget. And again, you've chunked it down. People say, oh, I've got this goal. This is where I want to go. This is the career I want to get to. You know, break it down. It's the same thing with everything that we do in life, isn't it? Well, people make an investment in us. Mm. And it's my obligation to make sure that we are as sharp as possible Agreed. and we are up to date and up to speed because people see us as a trusted advisor and therefore we have to take the stress and the pain out of them for them to know everything not that we, i'm not saying we know everything but we're up to speed yeah. and we've developed our practice and our um what well, we've developed our practice and the way we facilitate the way we coach the way we help people to a degree where we feel like we're up to speed with what's going yeah, on. Yeah, absolutely. And we've done this, uh, I, and this is a shameless plug, so you were right, I think this is going to go downhill. But we, <laughs> <laughs> um, we run a an event. I'm not going to plug it here, but we run... Okay. Oh, oh, so we run a, a series called The Future of Now. And the reason yeah. I came up with The Future of Now, the reason it's called The Future of Now is because I was fed up with all of these reports that come out that talk about the future 20. 30 and all these ads for the universities that yeah. your future career that doesn't even exist yet. And I felt like it was giving people the permission to say, oh, it's tomorrow's problem. Mm. When tomorrow's problem is happening today, yeah. people are using these new yeah. opportunities. And I wanted to bring that out to an audience and I wanted to be able to demonstrate just like what you're doing with this. Mm -hmm. So I call it rather cheekily, I called it the future of now because it was like, you know, this is now guys you got yeah. to figure this out you got to start the well, tomorrow's problems are designed by today's thinking aren't they really yeah exactly good that's very profound mm. i see that on your instagram feed <laughs> and we've been running it now for a while and the audience is growing and we've got an amazing community and we're bringing in incredible speakers and they're talking about things that they're doing and their approaches and their methodologies and it's like an hour professional development session for free brilliant and they're so generous with their time and we're building a wonderful, wonderful community and we're learning and we're providing an opportunity for business leaders and people in their organisations to come to our event, which is the Future of Now Run yep. fortnightly. And they don't have to read a book. They don't have to join a meetup group to learn more about Agile, for example. They don't have to put themselves vulnerable where they're going to have job seekers and um, recruitment agencies, etc., poaching them for work. They're in a safe space where they can listen to somebody talk about behavioral science, complex design systems, 
could be culture change, yeah. jobs to be done from some of the best speakers globally. This is the advantage of being remote. And walk away and say, look, this does or doesn't make sense, but I've got a connection into this now and I can progress my yeah. mature my well, thinking. Again, it's about changing people's perspective and exactly. understanding in it. Well, I'm, I'll be sure to be on that invite list uh, that goes out next day. Now, I see there's a lot of books that you've got here. Uh, and none you of said, them are open. Yeah, and, you, and none of them have – I don't see any creases in them. They're no, all no. brand new to me. The ones with pictures <laughs> are over there. The uh, – <laughs> And I know that this is, you've said this is not even a, a, a quarter of your book collection that you've got at home. So what, you're a Can book, I you're, tell you something? Yeah. Right? I, I, the only reason I think I'm going to keep the office is so my wife can't figure out the amount of books that I get <laughs> delivered to the office. I'm the same. I've post-it notes. Yeah, I'm up. the same. I've got one wall full of books at home and, <laughs> and I'm starting on the second wall and my wife's not very happy with me either. But that's all right. So what is your favorite book? What is my favorite book? Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, no, uh, doesn't have to be nonfiction, doesn't fiction, whatever. What is your favorite? Okay, so one of my favorite books is oh gosh, The Places You Will Go by mm. Dr. Sass. Oh yes. It's one of my it makes me cry every time I read it and I read it with my kids because yeah. it's all about defining your own future. Yeah. And not compl com complying to anything. A couple of books that really changed me significantly in terms of the way I think would be The Tale of Pooh, yeah. Winnie the Pooh, yeah. and also Design Your Life by Vince Frost, who's yeah. a designer out from the UK and yeah. lives in Sydney now. Incredible designer. And also a book by a chap called Jake Nape. I'm looking at it right there. It's had such a significant impact on my professional so career. So what's the book? Oh, Sprint. It's yeah. called Sprint. It's it's still relevant. Um, we changed the Sprint. It's evolved, but everything has to evolve. Now, how they talk about the Agile Manifesto, like it Moses came down from wherever and yeah, on yeah. a stone tablet. This is the equivalent of that. Okay. If you're in the the, the world, like it's made facilitation cool to yeah. some degree. It's giving yeah. you some form of credibility in the design world. Yeah. But personally, for me. This book has had such a profound impact on my career and provided me a the permission and the light, so to speak, in regards to the avenues that we could take. And I'll tell you a quick funny story about this. So I bought this book and they sent me two by accident. So I owe Jake. I'm connected with Jake. So I owe Jake some money. So Jake, I owe you 30 bucks. And I got two copies of the book. I don't know, I'm quite lucky because I got I ordered a pair of New Balance trainers at um, the beginning of the year. Max has sent me two. I have the same <laughs> problem, I guess. Yeah, it was a good. I, I got um, sent two road bikes. Did you seriously? Yeah. That's, that's, it's called the Noah dilemma. Yeah. Things it, come in twos. Yeah. I get, absolutely, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> I got sent two $2,500 bikes. What did you do with the second? I. So I'm a, this is going to be this is all recording. No, so I, I, I actually they rang me and said we've sent you two bikes, and I said yes, you have. I would have said really. Yeah, no, I said yes, you have, right? Because yes, my value set. Is, yeah, I would have said this. And I said yes, you have, and they said we're going to send someone around to pick it up, and I said no problems. Um, within I think it was two weeks, but no one had still come to pick it up. And so I rang them and I said, are you guys coming to pick this up? Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, we've been busy. We'll send someone around in the next week or so. 
and then no one came to pick it up again. And I reckon it was three months down the track and they called me and they said, we're not, just keep it. Really? Yeah. And I went, okay, done. And I sold it. <laughs> I would have said I've yeah. sold it. It's yeah. too late. Though. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did, I kept it and I actually kept it at my parents' house because my, my, I didn't have the space at my house at the time. I said, dad, chuck this in your garage. They're going to come pick it up. I told, I told them to ch- I changed the address. Went through the whole rigmarole. And, Good on you, man. Yeah. I, I, I mean... I've got to admit, you know, the second pair of trainers, I didn't say anything. Oh, no. Oh, well, would you? But over, but this, for me, it was like, it was if a, they would have asked. Because well, it was a $2,000 bike plus all the accessories. Yeah. So I got weeks. double of all the accessories the wow. shoe, the, the cleats, the, the whole thing. The whole thing. Are you still riding? No, I had, a, I had an accident on one of them. I stuffed the bike. That's the funny Could thing. Could you have had a spare? <laughs> I could have done with a spare bike, but I. <laughs> <laughs> so but anyway we were, that's, a, that's, a, that's a story for another day <laughs> i should have oh, kept the bike okay so <laughs> i reckon it would have been about three months the, after i sold it this story is you always, get, you always get a spare <laughs> so i so with this, <laughs> with this book um we were working with government when i got this book and i remember i got the second book and i gave it to somebody i read it i was like this this is it like you know when mm. things go yeah. off i was yeah. like this is it so i bought the book in and i gave it to somebody and i said get the second book and i wrote on a post i'll stick you know this will change this this will change your life yeah i don't i don't use that no, I, 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 yeah, have I have similar using, books yes I, I i have to stop using the word awesome because it has so much gravitas to it that <laughs> i lose it everything else it's awesome <laughs> damn it's just it's just the just the door that opens <laughs> on automatic. Well, that's awesome though. So I have to like really like limit it. But this really had such a significant change in so, everything. Uh, Jake Nap Sprint. Okay. Nate, yeah, Jake Nate. Um, Nate. I can't Nate. I can't say him without mentioning the other Beatles that nobody ever knows. It's <laughs> John Zaratsky and Brandon Kowitz, also very small letters yeah, in there. Yeah. But um so I gave it to her. And I we were working with the government agency i won't say who it was for a couple of months after and they never took it out of their drawer <laughs> never took it out of their drawer and it wound me up every day <laughs> wound me up my free book which i gave to them and they sitting on a shelf and i put a sticky note and i said this will change your life they didn't open it no, so you know what i did what? I took it back. our last day i took it back yeah as you should yeah well they didn't, yeah. des- well, didn't no. deserve it Maybe they didn't need their life changed. Maybe. <laughs> but I took it back and I gave it to somebody else. And like, I think giving a book to somebody is such a gift. Yeah. Because there's so much. It comes back to vulnerability. Yeah. And so much. And giving books, I think, is the most. Lending books and giving that knowledge and share it. Like this is it's such a sacred thing to do, I think. I, I agree. I remember when I first embarked on the reading journey and I just I went about like you know when you receive a new piece of information you want to tell the world right and it's quite funny because you feel you you learn a new piece of information and today's a new day you've learned that piece of new information and it's like you've known it forever hmm. so you go around and tell everyone oh this is what you know this is what you got to as if you don't know that when it was yesterday you didn't actually know that so I was actually going around and buying books for people and going, here, read this, read this. You need to read this because I could see issues that they were having and I wanted them to read it so that would change their life. I, was the, I, I thought that was the right yeah. thing to do. I, it took me quite a while to actually re- realize that receiving the gift, receiving the book is just as much of a skill as, uh, as, as providing a book because when you receive 
the book, you need to understand the intent it was given to you. Now, if someone uh, recommends me a book and they said, Dan, you should really read this. It'll help you learn or it'll help you do this. Then my attitude towards that is, okay, they've seen a gap in me. Mm. I'd be interested to explore that, right? And at least what I do is I at least look into the basis of the book. What is yeah. it? What am I going to get out of it? Okay, actually, I do know that. I'm just not applying that because I've chosen not to, whatever Sometimes it is. Yeah, like yeah absolutely. But I think it's receiving the book is absolutely yeah. understanding that why you would do that. Well, I was listening to Tim Ferriss' podcast and yeah. he had Hugh Jackman on. Really good yeah. podcast. I'm, I'm getting on my saved list. It? Yeah, I'm going to listen to it. Right. I follow Tim Ferriss quite a bit. Yeah, he, he, does, he loves a lengthy conversation, yeah. but I can see for five hours how that <laughs> always ends up like that. We should, we should end up. Hugh Jackman um, <laughs> says in it, and I'm not no spoil it. Well, it's, it's something he says. I was listening to this on my cycle yesterday yeah. to the client. It's yeah. a horrible cycle. Yeah. He says he, he gives books as gifts, and it's like they spoke about it. And he says, however, one of the biggest burdens as a is giving people big books. Yeah. Giving people big books. Because people don't want to read the big books. No. Yeah. My, uh, my, my brother, yeah. I love my brother, he gave me this um, this book all about Japanese samurai. It's called Muriaki or something like yeah. that. Oh, yeah, I know the Muriaki, yeah. Yeah, small text, yeah. big book. <laughs> I've never opened it. And he's read it. Yeah. And he, he loves Have it. it. Have you read it? Have you read it? I know I love it because I, I love all mm. that type of things. Mm. I love Shantaram and all those big dense books where you get into the world and you and i know i'll love it and i want i think i read shogun yeah that's how he knows yeah, yeah, that's yeah. why he, but i just don't have the time to commit and, I, and it's like yeah you know kids oh, yeah audio book it it looks good yeah but then like <laughs> I don't, again i was talking to someone about podcasting the other day i was like 15 minutes is enough yeah you know you're yeah, listening. now we're in we're into an hour well now. we're in two days now <laughs> <laughs> on that note we will end that here thank you very much dan for uh for for joining the podcast today what's next for more space lunch yeah Thinking lunch <laughs> um i've been eating for two days <laughs> and some sleep <laughs> and some sleep. no i don't do sleep <laughs> got kids um, yeah. what's next for more space we are well, we, we're pretty. Well, we're in a transition period back to whatever a new normal is, and um, we always believed in remote. We're now trying to adapt our frameworks to be hybrid, and we are about to. We're we're moving into a very new world okay. for more space, which I'm super excited about. Which I. I'm reluctant to talk. No, about. no, no. We won't. We won't go into it. We just watch this space. So, where can we find you then? The, the space, yeah, yeah, more space. Where more can space. you find more space yeah. for light? <laughs> um, um, let's do it again. You can find us on our website, morespaceforlight.com.au. Yeah. If you hang a forward slash in there and put future of now, you can with hyphens in between the words. Brilliant. You can see all the events that we're running. Yep. We're on LinkedIn. I am prolific on LinkedIn. I've chosen that channel and I'll harass and talk and give my opinions. I saw that one of your questions was around the Australian logo. Yeah. Well, that will be day three, yeah. I believe. Yeah, we can go. Yeah, I don't think that. we need to cover that. I think I just mention it and I'm sure there's a collective groan from your audience. <laughs> Why anyone would design a logo in the shape of the coronavirus. Yeah, it, 
is beyond me. It is. And, uh, and then put an AU in the middle of it. Yeah, somebody made a good point. Was I thought we use flags, our logos, aren't they? But yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. So I, I think that's a very good point, but we got we got money to spend so let's get a new <laughs> logo for 10,000 or whatever it was i'm sure it's part of a bigger system and the thinking behind it will be justified let's However, do it we're gonna end now yeah <laughs> <laughs> we'll find you at dan yeah. levy on linkedin and morespacefolight.com yeah that's the best Beautiful. place to find us easy done thank you so much for having thanks, me thanks dan cheers mate Bye-bye. cheers thank you once again for joining us here at creating synergy it's been great spending this time with you please jump onto the Synergy IQ Facebook page where the discussion continues after the show. Join our mailing list so you'll know what's happening next at synergyiq.com.au. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you really enjoyed it, please share it with your friends.